1: 20 minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack A Day Podcast.
2: What's going on, Packer fans? Welcome back to the Pack A Day Podcast. Happy Victory Monday. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. My guest, the one and only Alex Strofe. You can follow him on Twitter at Alex underscore Strofe. Packers pick up a 14 to 12 win. Alex, how the heck are you feeling after that victory?
1: I'm I'm feeling really good, Andy, right? Like I I told you before we started recording, I always feel good after a win, even though it was a gritty win, even though the offense kind of disappeared in the second half. I feel good regardless. A win's a win. I feel a lot better about the Green Bay Packers after this game than I did before this game. And I think that's my big takeaway.
2: So let me start by saying I reserve the right to change my mind after I watch <laughs> the all twenty-two uh, because that's always the the key indicator and in how I really feel after a game. But obviously, I had the opportunity to watch the game live, I had the opportunity to rewatch the game. I freaking loved this performance from the Green Bay Packers. Like I, I said, I said after the Bears game, eh, I wasn't that impressed with the Bears game win. I thought they played C plus B minus at best football. Um, I thought it was okay. I didn't think they played, you know, from a process standpoint, well against Minnesota. I love how this team played. I love how they responded to adversity. I love how they went down in the heat of Tampa, played a defensive struggle. And I think there are so many, so many positive takeaways from this game. I think offensively this game looks a lot different if it's not for the Aaron Jones fumble and if it's not for probably what was a really brutal, uh, you know, Running into the punter penalty that shouldn't have been called, where Green Bay gets the ball at the 33-yard line, probably at minimum gets three points on that drive. Probably gets seven on the Aaron Jones fumble, and now all of a sudden you're talking about a 24-point performance for this offense. Still not ideal, but against a very good number one defense in Tampa Bay, uh, number one scoring defense coming into this game. I think there would have been a lot more, you know, positivity coming off of that. And I think if you look at the process in this game, yes, they fell apart in the second half offensively. Yes, they still need to learn how to play a little bit more um, run oriented football. I'll touch base on more on that in just a moment, but I thought we got a really strong performance from Romeo Dobbs, which is a building block moving forward. You got David Bakhtiari back. Elton Jenkins settled in this offensive line is starting to gel together a little bit more. Um, And I think that's only going to continue to get better as time goes on. Defense was phenomenal. Yes, the Buccaneers, some banged up wide receivers. I get that. But the Packers missed Jair Alexander basically the entire of the game. Still respond uh, really well on defense. The special teams look competent. To me, they showed me what a finished product looked like. This is far from a finished product. Far, far, far from a finished product. But they showed me signs of what that could look like in a big game atmosphere on the road. And
1: I am super excited about what I saw in this game. I'm totally with you, right? You you hit all three D's right there, right? Like in order, it's defense, Dobbs, David. Those were the big notes today, right? Love Obviously it. you mentioned it. The defense was terrific. Uh, everything that they were hyped up to be the last few months, I feel like they lived up to in this game. And Aaron Rodgers put it best in his post-game press conference. If we hold teams to 12 points, we're going to win every game we play in when that happens. Yeah. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, you brushed over it. What was it? Eight catches on eight targets, I think, Andy. Like, that was that's really good for a rookie. And I, I heard uh, as well in Aaron Rodgers' postgame press conference, it's the most catches by a rookie uh, thrown to by Aaron Rodgers since 2018. So, pretty oh. darn good stat right there. So, Romeo Dobbs off to a good start. Uh, He was super impressive to me, obviously, uh, without Christian Watson as well as Sammy Watkins now for the next four weeks at least. So uh, impressed with him and David Bakhtiari. I mean, we have spent almost two years, Andy, speculating and and whining and wondering when he'd be back on the field. You got to feel so happy for him uh, because, you know, obviously, if we're complaining how much the dude is going through. So just feel for him. So happy to see him back on the field. And he looked good when he was in there. He looked like maybe not one hundred percent, but he looked really good. let's
2: let's start with that. I was gonna you know go, kind of go over that a little bit later, but there's no reason to to sugarcoat it. The, you know, yes, the win is huge in this game. There's no two ways around it. Picking up a win in Tampa, huge NFC win moving to two and one with a pretty easy slate of games coming up over the next month. Does't necessarily mean a lot, but uh, it's definitely some winnable games. that That's a great you know story, and we're certainly gonna talk a lot about the Packers beating the Buccaneers. But my goodness. Just to see David Bakhtiari out there on the field, blocking his butt off, looking like David Bakhtiari. And, you know, they ran behind him on that opening drive, the celebration with Aaron Rodgers and the pure <laughs> joy on his face. Uh, what? what an amazing, amazing moment totally. to, for him to fight back the way that he did to get to this point where he's back playing, uh, was able to finish the game. I know he played every other series, but like was able to get through the fourth quarter, still playing. Uh, we'll see what this week brings and how his body responds to that. But my goodness, was it awesome to see him out there?
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, Andy, did you see a big difference between him and Yash? Like the rotating series thing was odd. I understand he was on a snap count, but uh, he got through the end of the game, and I didn't. I didn't see at least you know my one time watching the game so far. Like I didn't see any big disparity when they swapped out.
2: No, and I think that's honestly a bigger compliment to Yash than it is a, a negative on David Bakhtiari in this game. Sure. And I think it really goes to show how far Yash has come over the last few seasons from a, a flyer, undrafted free agent to a, basically a red shirt first season back of the roster second season and then last year getting starts. And now this year I'm really going out and performing on a weekly basis, like a starting offensive tackle. Um, I'll, like I said, I'll have to go back and watch the all 22 to see how both of these guys performed overall. Um, But like just as we saw last week with Elton Jenkins and certainly some rust a week ago uh, from him, there's going to be some of that from Bakhtiari. But to answer your question at at first glance and second glance, I didn't notice a huge difference between Bakhtiari and and Yash when they were both out there. Um, that said, it was an interesting decision to have both of them yeah. sort of rotate series. So I get it and I don't get it. So let's just say Bakhtiari's on a pitch count, right? Or, you know, which he clearly was. So probably, you know, 30 to 40 snaps, maybe at most. And I know Matt LaFleur said, he said a couple of things. He said, A, Bakhtiari hated the idea. Uh, and he said, B like, it's 88 degrees. It's his first game back basically in two years to go, you know, zero to hundred and all of a sudden have him go from not playing for two years to have him playing, you know, maybe 70 snaps in the 90 degree weather they didn't think was the best idea, which I totally get and totally understand. So then the question becomes of like, okay, if he's going to play 30, let's just say 35 snaps in this game, how would you like to divvy up those 35 snaps? Do you want him to play all 35 at once and then say, all right, you're out. Um, You know, do you want them to, you know, do you want to play the game first and see how things are going? And then if it's garbage time one way or the other, you put them in for the end of the game. Like they had a decision to make there. And I think, you know, one of the things this would have allowed is let's say you go to overtime, right? And let's say during the course of the game, Um, David Bakhtiari was playing phenomenal in the game and Yash Nyman was struggling mightily in the game. Let's just say that's what was happening. I think this left open the possibility that you get the ball in overtime game is on the line and you have the ability to put David Bakhtiari out there on the field and make sure that you can put your best offensive line out there in crunch time. I think they were opening themselves up to that possibility. Now, that being said... I also don't know how like how I really feel about like letting a guy get warmed up and go out there and play a series and then just sort of sit still and not do anything for a period of time and then go out there and get it warmed up again and then not like that seems to me like there could be maybe some, you know, concern as to how they go about that. But long story short. Doesn't really matter. They got the win. They got through the game. Bakhtiari is able to work some of that rust off. He gets through the game. There's just, there's very few L's that Green Bay is going to take in this game. It was awesome to see him out there.
1: No, totally. And it's going to sound really weird saying this, but the fact they couldn't convert a third down helped, I think, the the flow of things with the offensive line swap, right? It was less time that David Bakhtiari had to spend on the sideline. So, sure. uh, as, as weird as it is, what was it? They went 0 8, I think, or 1 of 9 At in one the second point, half. Yeah. Uh, on third down conversions, which is not ideal. But like you said, not a lot of Ls to take away from this game. That's probably the biggest one. So a win's a win. I'm happy with it.
2: Yeah, I, it was crazy because as this game started, for anyone that's been listening, you know, of what I thought this game was going to be, I'm like, this is going to be a, you know, drag it out brawl between two defensive juggernauts. And it was. Um, I thought it was going to be low scoring. I said, take the under. I said, I, I <laughs> thought Tampa Bay was going to win in a low scoring game. And the Packers come out and score 14, like the first three drives is like 14 to 13 Packers. And I'm like, Man, I look like an absolute idiot. This is like a high we've got 17 points on the first three drives. It's there's no defense being played yep. whatsoever. The Packers are up big. I'm like, but like it sort of you know regressed back to this punch them out, you know, tough football game, 14 to 12. I think my final prediction was 17 to 13. So it was right in that realm. Um, And thankfully I get the best of both worlds where like I was in the right scheme of things, just had the wrong team, which I would so much rather be wrong and see the Packers win uh, than the other way around. So I ended up again, sort of being the best of both worlds there, but uh, excited about, like I said, about this performance, this really to me came down to two drives, both teams got two drives and what did they do in those two drives? So on the defensive side of things, Um, first of all, overall love this performance, 59 plays, 285 yards, 12 points allowed two turnovers. As you mentioned, they allow 12 points. They're going to win almost every single time, but here were the Buccaneers first and final drives of the game. So those two drives just specifically first and final 23 plays, 137 yards, nine points, just in those two drives. There are 10 other drives, 38 plays, 136 yards. So one less yard and three points. So the Buccaneers basically got two drives the entire game, and they got nine points off of it. The Packers, their first two drives, twenty-two plays, one hundred forty-five yards, fourteen points. Mm-hmm. Their next uh, ten drives, thirty-nine plays, one hundred and forty-nine yards, only four no kidding, points, and zero points. So the Packers opening two drives, they got 14 points. The Buccaneers first and final drive, they got nine points. Bucks also got the short field and kind of got three points off of a turnover uh, on that drive. But basically this came down to both teams having two really good offensive drives. The Packers did have the fumble by Aaron Jones as well that that kind of uh, aborted that drive. But overall, two drives where they scored points. The Packers got 14 out of it. The Buccaneers got nine. And that really ultimately ended
1: up being the difference in this game. That is a heck of a stat, Paul. That's why you're the best, Andy. But I, I I don't know what to make of it, right? Like, what what do you make of the Packers' offense only being being able to score in the first quarter? Like, is is that concerning? Like I'm I, like I said, a win's a win. You're happy with it. You're on to next week. But ah, uh, it's just a little nerve wracking that I mentioned the O of eight stat in the second half that they were at at one point. They didn't score any points in the second half. The defense saves the day today, right? We we haven't mentioned yet, Andy. Devondre Campbell, the tip ball on the two point conversion, yeah. phenomenal read, phenomenal play by Dre there. Uh, the guy's an All Pro for a reason. He proved it on that play. But uh, I would like to see points in the second half. That's 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 all I'll leave it at.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I, here's the thing, right? I, I don't think this was an issue of like they let their foot off the gas. I don't. Right. I didn't see it that way at all. I think this is a transition for Aaron Rodgers for Matt LaFleur, for the fans, for everyone that's sort of, uh, you know, uh, obviously watching this Green Bay Packers team this year, mm-hmm. this is a new team. This is not your juggernaut, you know, five wide receivers with Greg Jennings, your Michael Finley, Jordy Nelson, Donald Driver, et cetera. This is not the best wide receiver and football-led team with Devontae Adams getting 20 targets a game. This is not that version of this team. This is a defensive first team that needs to get Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon involved and have a ball control offense and not worry so much about the points. Now that does not absolve a team getting zero points in a second half of a game. That, that certainly doesn't, they need to be better in those situations, but this is going to be a transition. And like I said, what, what I'm buoyed by is the fact that we saw in the first half that when they had the right game plan and they were executing the way that they are capable of executing, this team could put up points and go right down the field against what I think is arguably the best defense in football in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, I thought all the way, like you, you almost have to expectation set going into a game, right? If yeah. I told you that this defense for the Buccaneers was as good as they were. And I, I think they are, I don't think that's a fraud. I think they're a legitimately phenomenal defense like what would have been a good outcome in this game? If you would have told me like they got between 21 to 24 points in this game against a really tough Buccaneers defense, I'd have been like, okay, they did a good job. Now they didn't get there. They got 14. That's disappointing. That's not good enough. But as I mentioned earlier, if Jones doesn't fumble at the goal line, and if, you know, probably had it not been for a, a, you know, brutal special teams call, which to be fair, that's really defense and special teams points, not necessarily offensive points, but you, you get to 24 Um, And like I said, I don't think it's that big of an issue. And I look at the overall process. I thought the process in the first half was really good and they got points off of it. I think in the second half, what I, what I was a little bit disappointed in is uh, sort of abandoning the run and not having more success in the run. I think that's really what caused the issues in the second half, because um, I think one of the things again, that they're just going to have to learn as they're transitioning here is even sometimes when the run isn't working, they're going to have to stay a bit more patient and more importantly, you want that clock to keep running. This is your defense's game. Yeah. It's, it's not Aaron Rodgers and five wides that can, you know, obliterate you in any given moment. This is a defensive football team that can win games with their defense, bleed that clock as much as you possibly can. Um, I get that. You still want to put up points. I get that you want to go for the, you know, the, the win Larry V dagger, but like at the end of the day, this is a little bit of a different philosophy and uh, team than they've had in the past. And I think there's going to be a bit of transition as a, the offense learns how to play that style. Um, and B is just kind of the team as a whole, sort of readjusts and level sets expectations a little bit differently.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
1: I think that's a really good point. And, you know, looking at it, it seemed like the wind may have got taken out of the, the rushing sails after that Jones fumble, as you mentioned. I would have liked to see them pound the rock more as well. I think everybody from their couch was tweeting that during the game, right? Like, run the damn ball more, huh? And, 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 you know, we we didn't see as much as we would have liked, but still, it was fine. And I think, obviously, that's what led to a lot of those three and outs. But looking early on in the game, when you talk about the transition period and obviously the new style and the innovation we're going to have to see from this offense, it was working in those scoring drives, those first two drives, right? Randall Cobb getting involved. We saw a, a bit of Robert Tunyon uh, involvement today, which was good to see him back in the mix. And obviously we mentioned Romeo Dobbs in the huge game he had, including the touchdown early. Uh, the first two drives, that offense was moving as, as slick as they did with Devontae, right? I mean, that was, yeah. that was a potent, surgical offensive performance early on, and they got away from that. But I think it, you you got to give credit to the Buccaneers' defense, as you have, Andy, because they really are one of the best in the league. But so is Green Bay's. And today's was, today was a really good performance to prove all that offseason hype that they were receiving. You know, it was a little reminiscent, Andy, and tell me if I'm crazy on this. It was a little reminiscent of that San Francisco playoff game, right? Like just grinding it out defensively, limiting big plays, limiting their key players. And by the end of the game, you allow a big drive, probably mainly because you're exhausted, right? Like yeah. the defense spent a lot of time in the field tonight. Uh, and they looked really good. And obviously, as I mentioned, Devondre Campbell coming up huge on the two point conversion attempt. And that was your Wayne Lair V dagger there, Andy, your aforementioned dagger. So, uh, you know, it was an overall, like I keep saying a wins a win. I'm not complaining. I'm just, uh, I'm just confused what happened from surgical, the good defense steps up, but so did, so did green Bay. So overall it was, it was a gritty game, man. One of the, one of the grittier green Bay games I, I remember in recent memory.
2: And and a lot of times more recently, I think one of the reasons that I'm excited about that is that, you know, Green Bay sometimes doesn't come out on the top in those gritty games. No. Sometimes those are the ones that they struggle with. And I thought they showed a lot of character in pulling out a win, defense getting the stop when they needed to. Uh, it, 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 I think, for a lot of people, it felt inevitable. Tom Brady drives down the field, gets a touchdown. They get the two point conversion, and here we go. Buckle up because we've seen that right. story before. That the Tom Brady storybook somehow always finds a way to win at the end. You <laughs> let him hang around, and he'll make you pay for it. Yeah. not today. Devondre Campbell broke up the pass. They get off the field. They get the win, fourteen to twelve. A couple of things I want to touch base on really quick that you just mentioned. The first is that you know we just talked about us wanting to see them run the football more, yeah. right? It is such a double-edged sword for a play caller because sure. you look at the the numbers in this game: twenty-four carries, sixty-six yards, ten yards was year-long with a two-point-eight yards per carry. So, the, oh, the philosophical great. approach in in today's NFL in a lot of those situations and scenarios is to say, "Don't run it." Like, why are you giving away downs? Yep. Like, you, if you just line up to hand the ball off and run into Vita Vea every play, you're not doing your job as a play caller. Um, so you better change things up and maybe try to get some outside wide receiver stuff or let Aaron like, and, and the other thing too, sometimes is as a play caller, you keep handing to Jones and Dylan and letting them run into a wall. Um, guess what happens when you lose that game, everyone questions, you have the four time MVP at quarterback, he's back-to-back MVP the last two years, and you didn't put the ball in his hands to go win in Tampa Bay in great conditions to go out and let him see if he can win the game. And then you get questioned in that regards as well. So, um. I would have liked to see them run the ball a little bit more. More importantly, I would have liked to see them run the ball more effectively. I think that was honestly the difference in the first half, is we saw them run the ball effectively in the first half, and it set everything else up. In the second half, they couldn't get the run going at all, and everything sort of collapsed underneath it. So always tough for a play caller in that scenario. And then I do want to discuss that final drive defense as well, because, again, it it seemed inevitable. Tom Brady's going to go down and score a touchdown and get the two-point conversion and go from there. I was. I know that the like uh, at first glance, it it really looks like they're playing, you know, soft defense. I think a couple of those were actually just blown coverages and miscommunications more than it was uh, soft defense because there are a couple plays Leonard Fournette was wide open. Greg Olson did a great job of uh, sort of explaining what happened on one of those, but I do think it was a little bit more uh, blown coverage. But they did play awfully soft at the beginning of that drive. One of the things that I really disliked about that is. I get that you want to make them go the length of the field and you want that clock to tick and, and, you know, put a little bit more pressure. But one of the things that I almost would have liked differently is I almost want to see them play super aggressive to open that drive because you almost have in that situation um, a little bit of house money. And what I mean by that is let's say they like get a huge play and they score a touchdown. Right. And like you, you were aggressive to begin the drive and you allowed an explosive player an explosive touchdown. A, you still got a you still have an opportunity to hold them off the two-point conversion and if you get the ball back you're basically going to win the game. And two, if they get the two-point conversion, now you've you've given Aaron Rodgers a two-minute drill to go down and win the game knowing that you're going to get the last possession of the game. So, I know that it worked out and they were able to, you know, get all the clock run down and that it got down to the two-point conversion and they were able to stop it. But in that situation, I almost like the reverse of not playing soft and having the clock tick. I almost would have liked to have seen them, like I said, like play aggressive. Maybe they can get a takeaway. Maybe they can get a sack. Maybe they can get off the field there. And even if they don't, even if they get an explosive play touchdown, you're not necessarily in a bad spot. So uh, just an interesting way that they played it. Ultimately, it worked, so I'm not going to complain too much.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Ultimately, it worked, right? You, you hate to see the big chunk play after chunk play after chunk play that we saw leading into the two-minute warning another chunk play. And then I think it was an incompletion, one more, you know, medium pass. And then, and then Fournette ran it in, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I or rather got it to the goal line and then uh, Russell Gage had that incredible catch, which maybe we should acknowledge. I mean, that was a heck of a catch by Russell Gage for that touchdown, but uh, yeah, it, they, they stepped up when it counted. Devon Campbell swooped in. I mean, that was, that was one of those plays though, Andy, where I'm like, Standing on my uh, on my feet, hands on the knees, like oh my god, what's gonna happen here? What's gonna happen here? Are we gonna go to overtime? I really didn't want to go to overtime. Glad we didn't because I uh I have I have onside kick PTSD. I have <laughs> overtime PTSD. I just wanted to get out of there in four quarters like they did. So yeah, and they certainly
2: <laughs> did. And I mean the the Devondre play is just such a great example. Like I know that the the NFL Combine and hand measurements and everything like just sort of gets a little bit ridiculous in the offseason there's a reason why you want a six foot three, you know, 200 and whatever pound four, 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 five, 40, whatever he is inside linebacker in the middle of your defense, because that size makes it really hard to get up and down over an inside linebacker, especially when you're playing a ton of zone defense and that speed, it matters as well. And the the speed, you could notice it all day on defense, but specifically on that last play, they're trying to do like kind of a flood concept, right? It looked like, and that whole defense, Darnell Savage is speeding over to that side of the field. Devondre Campbell gets over and again, his size, uh, you know, really helped break up that play like that stuff ends up mattering in tight contested situations. And that's why all that time, effort and energy goes into all of that scouting and yeah. uh, measurements and everything else. And I know he wasn't a Packer draft pick, but man, he has been a special player for Green Bay and kudos to him for coming up with that big play.
1: Yeah, you're spot on. And Aaron Rodgers mentioned it in his post game availability, pretty much just saying, look, that's a guy that a year and a half ago teams didn't even want. And now look where he's, where he's been, right? He, he was a first team all pro a year ago. He's making the biggest play and debatably, I mean, not even debatably, their biggest game here in, in the early part of the season. So uh, kudos indeed. Kudos indeed. You nailed it. Speaking of players
2: that nobody even wanted,
1: <laughs> here we go. you've
2: got to talk about Keyshawn Nixon yeah. because what a performance from him. I just want to let everyone know Keyshawn Nixon's contract here for a second. One year nine hundred and sixty five thousand do you want to take a gander at uh how much of that is guaranteed Alex
1: oh uh I have no idea Andy tell me none oh there you go
2: absolutely none a zero guarantee contract really he is a three-year corner for the Raiders he is 25 years old I know he was originally an undrafted uh, player, but has a ton of special teams experience, actually got some time playing slot snaps in uh, in the game last year for the Raiders. And I know he was probably brought in as like, a, hey, we think he knows the special teams for Rich Basashi and can help us in that regards. He played a phenomenal football game on defense and on special teams had the pass breakup in the end zone had the forced fumble uh, on the play had the punt down at the one yard line where he caught it and kept his feet out uh, you know out of the end zone which I don't think any packer gunner has been able to do in like the 38 years I've been alive Um, like it's just unbelievable that you get this guy on a zero guaranteed deal One year, under a million dollars. Like, he was just a, you know, the the Raiders had no interest in bringing him back. No other NFL team had any interest in, you know, saying like, hey, we're going to guarantee at least 50K of your deal to come sign with us. Packers basically get him at a minimum and just an absolute steal. He came in for Jair and played just a phenomenal game all the way around.
1: Yeah, he popped off the page almost immediately. You mentioned the pass breakup and the forced fumble. And you were like, oh, holy smokes, this kid can play. It was almost... Uh, you know, reminiscent of a game a year ago where kind of Rasul Douglas had his breakout moment, right? And, Great call. you know, you know com- coming out in uh, almost, you know, replacing Jair, who was hurt, stepping up in in those situations and, and coming out of nowhere. And I think you mentioned the, the, the punt down, right, at the one-yard line. That might have been the most impressive one. And, yeah. you know, for how awful, god-awful, that special teams was a year ago. There Were a couple bright moments uh, uh you know from the special teams tonight. The Amari return obviously got wiped back with a with a penalty, but uh that play right there stuck out maybe among them all uh of why Keyshawn Nixon looks so good. And we knew obviously the connection with Rich Passaccia was a big reason they brought him in. I had no idea his deal had zero dollars guaranteed. That is bananas.
2: It is, and like Let's just talk about Brian Gudikins for a second, because it's not let's like, do that. Yeah, let's, it's easy as a, it's, it should be easy as a GM. If you've got a bunch of money to spend and you can go out in one free agency and get Preston Smith, Zedaria Smith, Adrian Amos, and Billy Turner, right? Like that's the easy part of being a GM. Uh, yeah. They didn't spend money on free agents for forever. So they had a bunch of money to go out and spend. And it was like, you know, Brian Gudikins took over for Ted Thompson is like, oh, he saved a bunch of money. I get to, I get to be the one yeah. to go spend it. And that's the easy part, right? The hard part, is once you've spent said money and keeping your own guys and going out and getting other guys, and now you've got to go find bargain deals uh, on, on players that can help you to try to help you win football games. Well, guess what? In this game, Jerron Reed splits a double team and, and helps force yeah. a sack. Not a huge contract for him has a, as a big impact in this game. Keyshawn Nixon, we just talked about, he finds Rudy Ford, right before the season starts a absolute special teams demon that they haven't had in just about like, I don't, you can talk about Jeff Janis or Jarrett Bush. Rudy Ford is a step above either of those guys. He's the best special teams player that I can remember in green Bay. Don BB maybe as a, a little bit of a, uh, a spot there, but like, man, he has been phenomenal to start the season. Dallin Levitt, a guy that you yep. find that helps you on special teams. Pat O'Donnell was phenomenal in this game. How about seven punts, which you don't really want seven punts, but 339 yards, zero touchbacks, five of them down inside the 20 yard line, 63 yard long and a 48.4 yard average phenomenal find there. game ball. Like seriously, like just these little pickups here and there. And I, you know, Sammy Watkins, of course, the big game that he had last week, I know he's on IR now, but like, he didn't have a ton of money to spend, but he found guys that can help this team win. And it wasn't like, it wasn't anyone today that had a, uh, you know, seven, you know, catches for 400 yards, whatever, like, or like had this major performance, but a bunch of guys that helped put together a winning performance. That is a hard part. Kudos to
1: Guttekunst and the pro scouting staff. Yeah, no, you're spot on, and this is becoming a common theme with Brian Gutekunst over the course of the last few years, right? These low-risk, high-reward moves that have paid off in big dividends, right? I mentioned Rasul. We've talked about Devontre Campbell. There's two more examples tonight, and, and Sammy Watkins, again, an example last week. Has there been some misses mixed in? Of course there has been, right? Was it Tavon Austin? Was that the receiver he brought in that didn't do a whole lot? Like, yeah, that wasn't ideal, but it was a low-risk move. It didn't yeah. really matter. Uh, who was the linebacker? Jalen Smith, I think it was, right? That yeah. they brought in for a couple weeks.
2: No risk, you know. Didn't
1: work out. Didn't Move really on. matter. And yeah. and for the ones that have worked out, they've worked out big time. And a couple examples again tonight. So that is a, a big hats off category for Brian Gutekunst over the course of the last couple of years.
2: Uh, let's talk about another rookie that Brian Gutekunst uh, went out and got. Part of oh, that Monte yeah. Adams trend. Let's talk about Quay Walker because – Uh, Quay Walker is sort of how I have, you know, kind of defined this team right now, far from a finished product, but man, the flashes are really impressive and him forcing that fumble uh, he comes up on the play and then the, the the pass gets behind him and the receiver goes up field. He reverses field, gets back, rallies to the football, punches the ball out, and the Packers get a huge takeaway in that scenario. This defense responded every time they were under adversity. When the Packers turned the ball over twice, the the, the Packers were able to get it back on defense. Uh, the Keyshawn Nixon play, the the um, Quay Walker play. When they allowed a touchdown, they were able to get the stop on the two-point conversion. Just response after response. I'm just very, very impressed. Like I, I I tweeted this out as excited I, as I am about 2022 Quay Walker right now. I am already drooling over the idea of 2024 Quay Walker when he's had a couple of seasons under his belt. That dude is going to be a freak.
1: Yeah, uh, I feel like we had similar feelings about a guy like Rashawn Gary, right? Where he showed some really nice flashes in his rookie season. And then you're like, oh, God, what is this guy going to look like in a few years? We got some answers. Third straight game for Rashawn Gary with the sack. He is uh, reaching that elite category. But to your point. I was super impressed with Quay Walker again. He showed some pops in the, in the preseason, has had some really nice plays here in the regular season, including the force fumble tonight. So, uh, yeah, those those boys from Georgia can ball. I mean, Eric Stokes and the two he picked this year have all shown some flashes. Haven't seen a ton yet from Devontae Wyatt, but, but he got in there a bit tonight, as you mentioned. And uh, I'm excited for his development as well. So, yeah, those guys from Georgia that Brian Gudekunst as you use the term drools over, right, like they can play, man. They can play. And we we saw that again tonight with Quay Walker.
2: Yeah, very much so. I could not be more excited for what I think his progression is going to be. And he's already, you know, paying some dividends and getting some ROI with some big plays already. Let's talk about uh one of the players that the GM didn't necessarily want but the other GM did. That's Randall Cobb. Uh, how about old man Randall Cobb, two catches 57 yards, not exactly blowing up the stat sheet, but man, those two plays showing off a little bit of wheels for the old man Randall Cobb. Like that was that was some impressive football from him. I didn't know he still had that speed in him.
1: I was going to say the 32-year-old still got some giddy up. I did not uh, I'm totally with you when he when he got broken loose there. Both of those plays he had some space. Like Woo! there's still some tread on those wheels, man. Seriously? Yeah, He looks solid. And I mean, that right there is exactly why Aaron Rodgers wanted him back in Green Bay, right? I mean, there's just a ridiculous amount of chemistry between those two. And when they can find, and I used the term chunk plays earlier, when they can find opportunities for those over the middle and he can break free. You saw two examples why tonight, uh, an average of 28 and a half yards a catch tonight for Randall Cobb, not too shabby in the stat sheet.
2: No, not at all. I, I, like I said, very excited about the flashes from this team. I think they're going to be just fine offensively. I think they just need to put a few of the pieces together, really find their identity Uh, I've seen what I've need to see from some of these playmakers. I think, you know, Christian Watson was out this game. I think he's going to be a player that's going to be able to take the top off of defenses at times. We've seen Romeo Dobbs already take a step. Randall Cobb still got some wheels. Alan Lazard's making some plays. These running backs are talented. This offensive line is just getting together with Bakhtiari and Jenkins anchoring both sides for the first time. There is a lot of ceiling left for this offense that we haven't come close to seeing yet. Um, like I said, I'm I'm excited after this one. However, there's always got to be a wet blanket, right? Uh, there's yeah. always got to be something. Uh, let, we won't talk, you know, d- dwell on it too much after, uh, you know a victory. And as we're celebrating a, a victory Monday here, as people are listening to this, but Jair Alexander, Josh Myers, both go down with injuries in this game. Jair has an early groin injury, does not return. Josh Myers, I don't know. Was there ever an official injury designation as to what it was?
1: I, I did not see anything on on him, Andy. And I know you mentioned before we started recording, you didn't see if he came back out for that final kneel down, but I, I did not see an official designation at all now.
2: Okay. So yeah, we'll have to definitely, uh, you know, kind of keep an eye on that as the week goes on, but uh, overall 2 at least as we know of two injuries coming out of this game, I know there were some thoughts that maybe Myers was just cramping. So hopefully that was the case, obviously a ton of heat and hopefully he's able to be back sooner rather than later. And then Jair Alexander, the, the one thing Matt LaFleur did say was that he was smiling and all smiles and in good spirits in the locker room after the game, he didn't have any other update doesn't know the, you know, the status of the injury. So Hopefully that's a, a bullet dodged as well, but uh, two injuries that uh, could be very costly if they are out for any period of time, and we just got to have to kind of hope for the best. Although, you know, Keyshawn Nixon, uh, next big thing. So if uh, all of a sudden Jair is out a little bit, they got the next guy up, I guess. So yeah, that's it's, been just,
1: really. it's just it's just going to be the uh, Rasul emergence of twenty twenty two. You're absolutely correct, but no. In all seriousness, obviously you're you're a much better football team when Jair's is in there. So hoping for the best, fingers crossed. Obviously, with everything that he went through last year, right getting injured, and missing the rest of the regular season. Uh, we would not like a repeat uh, of that. So fingers crossed.
2: Man, imagine I told you last year uh, at, at like around this time yeah, that Eric Stokes, who was a rookie who was just starting to play some of his first games and you had no idea what he was going to become, struggled in training camp and and you just – it was a total toss-up as to what he was going to become. Keyshawn Nixon, a third year player at the time last year, who was on the Raiders, who had done absolutely nothing in his career. And Razul Douglas, who had already been cut like three or four times uh, last season at this time and was not even a member of the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, neither was Nixon. If I told you that next year that you were going to have to go against Tom Brady in a huge NFC matchup, with Eric Stokes, Keyshawn Nixon, and Rasul Douglas as your three star or like three primary corners in that game. I don't even know how anyone would have responded to that, but like, you, there's no way you could have possibly felt good. I'll tell you what, those three you know, corners, I know a lot of wide receiver injuries for the Bucs, but those three corners balled
1: out and had a really nice game. Totally. I mean, 12 points is, is what we can keep pointing back to, right? 12 points is all they got on the scoreboard tonight, and that's a Tom Brady-led offense. That's something to be damn proud of, especially so early on in the season and with Jair going out early in this game. Uh, I, I'm super happy overall with, with the defensive performance. Let's just hope they can stack these good games now, obviously, and we'll get in, I be, imagine, a little bit into next week against New England, but you're back at home. Stack good defensive performances. Limit them to what? Under under three touchdowns. And you're pretty happy with that because Aaron Rodgers can put points on the board against any defense that is uh, apparently not as good as Tampa Bay.
2: No, I go back to that Minnesota game as well. I know 23 points in a loss and it felt uh, ugly defensively. I liked their process in that game. Like I said, three of those points were on the offense where the the off- or the turnover Vikings actually went backwards like five yards and still got a field goal out of it. The Defense was basically responsible for 20 in that game, 10 against Chicago, 12 against Tampa. I mean, man, you're going to win so many games if that's what your defense is able to sort of limit teams to. And as they go forward, New England, New York Giants, New York Jets. Washington commanders next four games. Those are like you said, an opportunity to really stack some defensive success. And speaking of those new England Patriots, one thing that we'll have to absolutely keep an eye on this week, Mac Jones leaves the game injured, was not able to put foot, uh, put any weight on his left foot had to be carried out into the locker room after that game. So uh, that would be a major issue and injury for the Patriots. And again, with the Patriots coming to town, Lambeau field this upcoming Sunday, a major injury to keep an eye on through the course of this week.
1: Yeah, from what I've seen, Andy, it seemed like he was in a hell of a lot of pain, so it's certainly not ideal for the New England Patriots. Uh, For those of you keeping track at home, Brian Hoyer, somehow still the backup in New England, Uh, so that would be who the Packers would have to face. Not the first time they've seen Brian Hoyer either, but nonetheless, um, you know, that's just something we'll have to keep an eye on. Uh, We dealt with it this week with Mike Evans, right? Like, obviously, you want to play the team's best players, but you can only play who's in front of you, so you hope for the best for Mac Jones, but... If it's Brian Hoyer, you got to play Brian Hoyer, and uh, and again, your defense can't take it any easier on him, right? Just because it's a backup quarterback, you hope they even you know put the foot even harder on the gas against the backup quarterback in his first start of the year.
2: Totally agreed. Could not have said it better myself. It's going to be a fun week coming off a big victory against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Packers move to two and one on the season. Alex, this was absolutely amazing. Thanks so much for doing this. You can follow him at on on Twitter at Alex underscore Strofe. Alex, any final thoughts today?
1: Yeah, Andy, I actually, I have some uh, assistance ready to give you. Uh, I know you've got game stories to write, so I have come up with a couple of one-liners. Okay. Uh, given I'm, that I'm the given, given that the National Football League has announced that Rihanna will be playing the uh, the the Super Bowl halftime yeah, show okay. this year, yep. So I think you can lead it off with. Uh, Mike Evans could not play for the Buccaneers because he was a rude boy. And then you could follow it up with the Packers put in that work, 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 work. The like defense it. showed they were too good for you. And if you're coming to Lambeau Field on Sunday, bring your umbrella mm-hmm. because it might be drizzly. Thank you. There you go. I thought Great you were going umbrella
2: defense to... at some point, where it was like <laughs> a bend but no break, umbrella defense. I was waiting for I it, but you worked, yeah. you worked it in another way, so I, I appreciate that nonetheless. <laughs> Follow, maybe don't follow him on Twitter. I'm just yeah, kidding. Probably follow not. Probably not. <laughs> at Alex underscore If you can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. Of course, you can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. I'll be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode. Uh, also coming up this week on Tuesday, Packaday Live, 7 p.m. Central on YouTube. Do not miss it. Special guests this week, Ross Uglum and Justice Musqueda. So it should be a absolutely phenomenal show. Thanks for joining me. Always appreciate it. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. Go
1: Pack.